Welcome to the Bar Variations Podcast. Go behind the bar with me, your host, Michelle Duvall, as I interview leaders in the bar industry. We'll talk about how bar impacts their lives, what's inspiring them today, and take the conversations that usually stay in the studio out into the community. Grab a seat because there's plenty of room at the bar. Want a one-stop shop for all your bar needs? Over the past few years, Bar Where You Are has continued to evolve to offer something for every bar enthusiast out there. Through their ever-growing on-demand workout library, weekly live stream options, small in-person classes, and multiple instructor trainings and workshops, Bar Where You Are strives to deliver joy, accessibility, and a sense of community. Oh, and did I mention their super cute bar swag for all you bar babes? Head over to www.barwhereyouaresc.com to check out all they have going on and use promo code BVBWYA for 10% off. If you're a certified hashtag bar addict like I am, then you can definitely appreciate a bar-inspired graphic tank top or sweatshirt. Good news for those of us who can't get enough, Bar Goods Co. has apparel designed for and inspired by Bar. And if you need that extra little bit of motivation to get yourself to class, you'll be happy to know they use only the softest fabrics available to help you express your love of the bar world. Check out their go-to line of screen-printed goodies including workout tops, sweatshirts, and even infant onesies for bar addicts in training. Plus, they've recently introduced digital products including creative resources for bar professionals and studio owners to take the guesswork out of what to post online so you can spend more time managing your business and less time worrying about what you're going to post on Instagram. And guess what? Listeners of the Bar Variations podcast can use the code VARIATIONS25 to take 25% off their first order. That's code VARIATIONS25 in all lowercase letters. Visit bargoods.com now to start shopping. Are you a social bar butterfly or just getting started in bar fitness? Do you want to feel good and look good during your sweat session? If the answer is yes, you must visit fitforbar.com and shop their exclusive activewear and athleisure styles designed for your bar workout and beyond. From hats to bar socks and everything in between, each piece from this female-owned boutique has been bar-tested and approved from the best in the business. And with free domestic shipping, easy returns, and a buy-now-pay-later option, fitforbar.com provides an online shopping experience fit for a bar queen. So go ahead and treat yourself to some new apparel from fitforbar.com. You deserve it. Happy shopping. All right, Bar Variations podcast listeners, I've got a great exclusive deal for you. I know one thing for sure, and that's that we all have too many grippy socks in our closet, but we can't get enough. So (laughs) the Point Studio has offered you, the listeners, a discount on their amazing grippy socks. They're the next best thing from being barefoot. You get 15% off your order with the code BAR VARIATIONS. That's code BAR VARIATIONS, all one word, to receive 15% off your next purchase at pointstudio.com.
right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here today with Lena Alvarez. Yay. Welcome, Lena. And thanks, Michelle. You are so welcome. I'm so happy. We've I feel like so much to talk about. Lena and I go way back on the Instagram. I always start off like, I met this person on Instagram, but Lena was like the first one. So I'm so excited um, to have her with us today. Um, But before we get into it, Lena, can you share with the listeners just a brief intro of who you are, what you do and where you're located? And I'll say what you do now because we'll get into all of the amazing things that you've done before as well. Yeah, thanks, Michelle. So I definitely wear hats. So uh, my career has always been a little bit international. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that my family immigrated from Ecuador to Vancouver, Canada when I was young. So I always found myself trying to make those connections between two worlds. And my career actually has gone to international affairs route, international business. Um, I also teach bar and yoga, which is how we met way back when. And um, right now I am working in international business for the Canadian government. And what else do I do? Oh yeah, I'm also doing a master's in strategic design and management at (laughs) Design Remote from New York. So not in person for now, but remote. It will be soon. And yes, many hats is, uh, I feel like an understatement for you. You're such a high achiever, go-getter driven um, person who is somebody that reaches out to the people that you want to connect with. And I will get into that later. So I'll I'll try to go as linear as possible. As many of the listeners know, I can go off in many tangents. So we'll save that. Um, So I'll start with the question that I ask everybody, since this is kind of maybe where it started for you and has led you into international business. But where did you get your, or where did you start your own movement practice? You know, whether you were a young kid or if it came later in life. So it was really interesting. It was build a movement practice when I was younger because like I mentioned, my parents were immigrants. So while a lot of my friends were on like soccer teams or, you know, all sorts of teams, we couldn't really afford it. And I, I literally remember going to sleepovers at my friends' houses and then I would go and like sit and watch their game the next day, but I would never play because I just wasn't on the team. Um, and it also just wasn't really something that was at least in my family's culture. And I do think that it still needs to be built up a little bit more in Latin America where I'm from. Um, And then after that, when I got a part-time job, I was around 16 16 years old. And the cool place to hang out was the hot yoga studio. Like I know that there's a lot of other cool places where teenagers can hang out, but being from Vancouver, that's a little bit of like a yoga city. That's where (laughs) Lululemon started for those of you that might not know. Um, The hot yoga studio was actually the place to hang out. And you know, I used my money from my part-time job to go to the yoga studio all the time. I was there almost every day. And then slowly, that's how I became introduced to like my own movement practice. But it wasn't something that I've done from the time that I was a child. It's so interesting that you say about the organized sports. I think a lot of um, organized sports have sucked the fun because organized fun isn't always spontaneous or even playful you know it can be exhilarating the adrenaline and that but you know I think there's something to be said for not participating in stuff like that or you know seeing kind of the downside of it it is expensive and it's supposed to be you know soccer for example or American football um 
even in Latin America, you see a lot of people just kicking a ball around and pickup games. And it's not, you know, you need the jersey, the travel team, the personal trainer and the personal coach. And I, yeah, I wish there was more of that spontaneous. It's like you can play no matter totally. what because you don't need the fancy shoes because there are people, you know, look at in Jamaica, the runners, you know, I've um, friends of my brothers who ran there as kids with no sneakers, no shoes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the barrier to entry doesn't seem high from the outside. It's like, oh, soccer, no big deal. You're just running around kicking a ball. And then we've kind of commoditized it, made it into like perfection. I mean, that's the like devil-edged sort of living in North America, right? It's like that strive for excellence and then perfecting it, your craft, and then almost like to the death of fun. So. And that's also what happened too. Like as I got older and like, you know, my family established themselves a little bit more. I also just started to tell myself, well, at this point it's too late for me. You know, like I'm 11 now. I can't join these teams. Like these girls are on these like elite teams. I haven't even kicked a ball around other than gym class before like it's too late so I never really made it into that yeah the only experience I had as a young kid where there was like one sport we I went to a school uh like I went to a public school but like everyone was like really into sports or really into the arts and it was definitely one of the schools that like you just did it 110,000 percent but the one thing that we like didn't have was volleyball and gym class volleyball became this like super intense where like everybody got into it and there was just something so fun about that like you didn't have to be on a team the teams were different every week and you know like we ended up like begging the teachers to like organize like an after-school tournament with the other grades because we were so obsessed with it and yeah I think just having that openness and just like kind of like looking at that of like how can we take that fun mm-hmm. you know further along where you know later on you found yoga community that was a little bit more open and I love that you were 16 hanging out at a yoga <laughs> studio like I can only hope for my future children to like mom I'm hanging out at the yoga studio <laughs> thank you you can go all day long you can go at every class like why don't you get certified and then you can have a job and we can talk and (laughs) but I think that it's so positive and um you know can you share a little bit about you know that culture in Vancouver that's so unique especially for you to have been there probably at the very beginning of like when Lululemon was coming up and how that affected the yoga culture itself. So can you share maybe as some kind of insider Vancouverian? <laughs> well, okay. I feel like this is the most Vancouver thing ever. The yoga studio that I started practicing yoga uh, was called the yoga pod. And I loved it. Like literally just anytime I drove past it afterwards, I would just go back to that place. And it was even like my place of like safety almost like I remember I broke up with my high school boyfriend and I'd be so upset I'd just go to the studio and like I'd want to be there and then the other day I was driving by and I'm like oh they demolished the entire thing it's just a bunch of new condos now like there's no more um yoga studio anymore and I do think when we talk about sort of like commoditizing things it has shifted to that culture in Vancouver like a lot of the yoga studios are very fancy super expensive they're huge like you can fit like a hundred people in rooms and stuff like mm. it sort of lost a little bit of that um more community feel um but I admit that 
I don't really live here full time anymore. So there could be some studios that are that way, but the ones that I've encountered when I do come to visit don't really have that community feel anymore. Yeah, it's, there's always that fine line of um, improve, 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 where it's like kind of not cool anymore, right? You know, when you were 16, hanging out at maybe a little gritty yoga studio that you could smell the sweat, you could like feel the wood maybe underneath your feet and the paint maybe needs to be like updated. There's something very like homey and lived in about that. And obviously you want things to improve. So as they improve, you're like, great, great, great. And then there's like that crossover where it's like, it's gone too mainstream, right? And it becomes like kind of uncool, right? And it becomes a little too shiny, a little too like way too streamlined where like you're just checking in and checking out. And maybe the people at the front desk don't know your name anymore or, um, you know, I'm all about you know, I think making money is great, making profits great, making sure that these places are able to offer, you know, higher salaries and maybe not even salaries, but pay, you know, pay their teachers better. But yeah, there is always that, you know, I know when I was in California, the yoga studios I would go to, I would just like love the like floors that were like almost splintery, like even dancing in the city, like, man, a lot of them have closed down now, but like you, when I was, uh, you know, a teenager, we would go up uh, 890 Broadway was where ABT rehearsals and it was a lot of rehearsal space for modern dance companies as well. And there was still an elevator operator and I'm not like that old, you know, like, but there was something like just so that was like, so New York, like you had somebody sitting in the elevator, poor human soul, mind you, he was probably getting paid way more than any of us thought he was getting paid and had amazing benefits because he was there since the dawn of time because that's also like a whole doorman thing. But just like I found out how much the bus drivers made, I was like, I am in the wrong business, but I also (laughs) don't want to deal with those people getting on the bus. So this guy would, you know, bring us up and down to the floor and there's just, yeah, just something so like nostalgic and real and old. I don't know something about that. And, um, and I'm sure you saw it with even Lululemon becoming, you know, went from like what Mm -hmm. one store to this mega phenomenon, you know, it really changed the game for a yoga pants and B fitness and wellness in general. Like you, people are now wearing their leggings. Like that was just not a thing before they were around. Um, Now, did you take your yoga practice? Like once you went off to college, what did that look like? you like how did your movement practice and your studies because as we hear your studies were not in fitness movement wellness they're very opposite but how you know can you kind of share maybe that next step like getting into school and how your movement practice influenced you while you were studying when i graduated i went and did my undergraduate at mcgill university so that's in montreal and i didn't really know what i wanted to study um but then I kind of started like rediscovering my identity, especially as a Latina a little bit more. And I actually discovered it so much so that I majored in Latin American studies and then my minor was in management. And at Mm -hmm. that point I had really like no thoughts of becoming an international trade person or like anything to do with international affairs, but it just happened to like mix each other together really well. But it was a little bit stressful because like I mentioned, like my family are immigrants, right? So 
when I moved to Montreal, like I was really just establishing a brand new life, like on my own. I had to find a way to pay my own rent. I had to find a way to pay for my own tuition. Like everything was really on my own. And I just like lost my fitness practice, like fully. Like I would try to go to the school gym, but I've never really liked gym gyms, especially because I grew up with that like yoga studio environment. So for, I would say almost my entire undergrad life, I didn't really do anything at all. And I could feel it. I could tell the difference for sure. Yeah, it's, I remember when going to school, like much like you, it's like all of a sudden, I didn't have a dormitory where they were doing my, they didn't even make food. There was no, I had to go grocery shop. We had to wait for the cable guy my first day of school. I'm like, what is happening? There was no Wi-Fi. Like you had to get your internet yourself. And it was very much like, okay, like you are now in the real world. Like the school was very much about like, you're an adult, you have to work, you have to show up, you have to be living like a real adult, but at school. And um, I'm sure you gained a huge appreciation for your parents having to start somewhere completely new and, you know, English not being their first language or, and maybe not knowing anybody and navigating Mm -hmm around um you know as we get older we appreciate our parents in those moments of like like how how did you do that and I know for my mom made me grow up pretty quickly um definitely because not all of my friends were in that situation and like that was really great because you know like they had their family that like cousins that lived in Montreal and they were able to see them but Montreal is also a very French speaking city and I spoke a little bit of French from school but I wasn't completely fluent. That's the thing. Like, if you live in Western Canada, you're really, you think you speak French, you do not speak French. Well, and so it's I the opposite side. Like, uh. Yeah, it's the opposite side of your country. And it's not just, you know, Canada, I feel more linear than the United mm-hmm. States because, it, you know, everyone's kind of on that border, but straight across where, you know, in the US, we have the North, South, Midwest, North west southwest like and west coast like there's a lot of like up and down um and yeah in montreal is a very different culture than vancouver it's like a different country almost oh Um, yeah totally so you know in school navigating your way around you got through maybe your body's feeling like me like i miss like when you know when was the moment for you that you felt like I know for me, like miss when I don't move and, you know, as a new mom, I don't move merely a fraction, the same that I did before. Yes, I'm moving. Yes, I'm doing things, but I know I like miss that. And I also know sometimes it's not the time for it, right? Because you have to do other things, right? You have, you are having to go to work. You're having to study. You're trying to figure out, you know, kind of who you are. It's a very formidable time. And when kind of like, was that change for you where you were like, okay, this is who I am. I'm feeling settled. And when you got back into like being able to like move that through your body. So that's a really good point that you bring up because I feel like when I was a student, I could get away with it because I was walking everywhere. Mm. Like I did not want to spend the 350 to take a bus. Like I was walking long distances. So I was actually still pretty physically healthy. I just wasn't doing like organized like group classes. Hey, circling back to the organized, (laughs) I am. So I'm glad you said walking. I am the biggest proponent for walking only. If you're going to do anything, walk three to six miles a day and you'll be like, really? Why did I ever work out? I look the 
same like <laughs> and it's so like meditative and like mm-hmm. even now during COVID I've been like exploring different neighborhoods I would have never gone to just I don't know I, I love walking too it's so life-changing it is life-changing I I grew up like walking with like my mom we would like take walks together and when um I moved to California we're in Los Angeles no one walks there I we we would like walk <laughs> people, people hike it's not, they don't walk they hike but they don't walk down the street and just the, in living in New York that's what what you do and I have to say now with um you know COVID I haven't taken the subway and it is nice to kind of rediscover your city on mm-hmm. when it's nice out by the way but <laughs> but it, you can you see things like if you're just in your car or if you're on public transportation, you get so tunnel visioned and you might not maybe notice a little coffee shop or notice the different architecture or, and I'm with you, I'm very meditative walker. Like that's where I, you know, I work out all of my things or gain a little peace and um, yeah. I'm, I'm a walker. I'm with you. <laughs> Walk all day long. And yeah. And also like you start to prioritize, right? Like, mm, I gotta, you know, take that cab or am I gonna take that? <laughs> no. Cause I want that maybe glass of wine later on in the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So you, what degree did you actually graduate after McGill? So it was a bachelor of arts. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's also something that's been interesting. Like when I started working, so then I moved to Ottawa, um, which is the capital of Canada. And really that is where a lot of the international affairs work takes place. And I got a contract for four months in an office and I really thought I was going to be temporary. I rented an Airbnb. I was like ready to go back to Montreal. Um, and I think it was during that time when I started working that I like could feel it in my body. Like I was like, oh my goodness like sitting at an office for eight hours a day like I have never been in like so much pain like little things like I did also start to gain weight which did I didn't enjoy it obviously it's like a little touchy um I just didn't have energy like I think that was the point where I was like I need to find movement again and then that's when I discovered bar and I I feel like everything is always like serendipitous there was a bar studio like 15 minutes from the Airbnb that I was renting. And I was like, that's the closest gym to me. Okay, let's go. Yeah, convenience, right? I mean, you know, there there is no shame. And it's like, you are starting to feel like not yourself in your body, mm-hmm. you know, and sitting, not doing anything, you went from walking however many miles a day. And I, I felt that actually, when I moved to Los Angeles, I was all of a sudden sitting in a car half my day and where it used to be half my day was walking to get to what you know where I needed to teach or whatever and um you know and that's okay and we move to feel good and so and it also has to be convenient like I'm like you I'm not a gym person I'm not gonna do that it has to be on my track to where I'm going and that's why I always loved like working on the morning like it like starts my day and like I can like move through that um you know I'm not about to drive an hour to work out unless it's like a special special and that's because I'm a teacher not no regular mortal <laughs> would be like oh yeah I'm gonna go drive an hour to take a 45 minute class 
it's like yeah, I fly places to take classes so I'm totally yeah. in this like fitness tourism thing it's, it's a thing it is a thing I love it so you started at the studio you fell in love with bar and it started mixing in with what you were doing now did you teach right away and now kind of that ties up. I feel like I met you shortly after you started um so when I went to the studio I was super uncomfortable like in my body in movement like the previous experience I had was that there was actually a gym at my work and everybody went to the gym like it's a beautiful gym like great benefits and stuff and I remember I went to a class and first class back the instructor calls out of me calls out to me in front of my entire colleague she's like what are you doing with those weights those weights are way too light go pick up heavier weights no and it, like, no. Like, I was so ashamed. I was like, oh my gosh, this is my first time back in like forever. So then mm. that made me realize like, okay, you know what? I can't even try this gym stuff. Like, especially not at work. I need like my own safe space. And then when I went into the studio, like it really was like putting a toe in the water, like so afraid. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know what I'm wearing anymore. I was wearing like old t-shirts from high school. Not that, oh, wait, wrong with that. that was all no, I had. There's, <laughs> nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. There's something like now I, I'm hoping like also pandemic life like chills everybody out on their mm-hmm. like cute little like leggings totally. sports bra sets. I'm all about it. I wear them. But I mean, it was what the, do you remember those like cotton? Was it Sophie was the brand shorts? Oh, yeah. they were, like, that and like a t-shirt I got from like a dance convention exactly. was like <laughs> my workout outfit and now I like work out of my pajamas because I'm like oh well if I change and then I have to change again and then I'm changing my son like no 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 no, too many changes so like bring on the t-shirts and actually when I moved to Los Angeles too it's all about the flowy tops as well so I was like okay like not so restrictive and you're like tight tight like whatever uh, you know and to your point with like the shaming about the weight, like, I really, it's such a turnoff to me. It is not something that motivates me to be like, yeah, get heavier. Mm-hmm. No, I don't, I'm just not a like weightlifter. And that feels good for people. Running feels good to people. It does not feel good to me. And if you're the type of, like, you just don't know who's walking in to that room and where they're starting from. Who Maybe you didn't tell them you had some major, like, surgery or something that like you you couldn't or maybe you just don't want to like that that kind of stuff like it's like it's nobody's business I will never pick up that five pound weight I know I was like (laughs) (laughs) it makes me so mad because I've been in that situation and you know right when like boutique fitness excuse the noise in the back. My husband is eating dinner. No if, if for the listeners, if you're hungry, like, what is that? Like ASMR when it's like people oh, like eating yeah. or like crinkly paper. That's the effect <laughs> for you. <laughs> sorry, not sorry over here. No, I'm kidding. Okay, um, it's yeah, no, it's better than baby crying. That's for sure. Um, what was they saying? Oh, so, okay. So I was in New York city at the dawn of like boutique fitness, like soul cycle was exploding and whatever is it like a very big time for all of these, like very unique modality boutique studios opening. So there was a lot of like trial and class pass was like just starting. So I would go to these like trial classes and I went to like a couple of this person like shouting at me. Like I was like throwing around a kettlebell 
And again, if you know me and you see me with a kettlebell, like just slap me and be like, what are you doing? What's wrong with, where's Michelle? And it, it doesn't, like, I have a very limber lower back. And of course, I'm sure I'm not doing it right. But the heavier the weight, it feels like my pelvis is very displaced. And, you know, I'm going at my own pace. I'm doing a couple. And they're like, no, like trying to get me not to modify. And I finally, after like the fifth time of them being like, you know, you, oh, you should really be doing this. I'm like, listen, I'm also a trainer and I'm just like not down with it. I can't do that many and I'm okay with that. And you should be too. Mm -hmm. And then they like, we're like, (laughs) it's just like, you can shout things all you want. And then like, if someone's ignoring you, it's probably like for the best, (laughs) but yeah, exactly. So what was that first experience like in the bar studio for you? So this bar studio, it used to be called the daily method in Ottawa and now it's called where I thrive. And it is like the most welcoming place ever. Like everybody knows your name when they came in, they're like, oh, it's your first time here. Let me show you where everything is. Like, this is where you put your mat. This is where the weights are. Oh, and like, this is like, I forget her name. She's been coming here for a long time. So you can always look to her, like if you need help or whatever. And it made me feel really welcome. And I think that was the type of encouragement that I needed to get back into my practice. Mm -hmm. And that was what really did it for me. Yeah. And also too, like, not, I think bar, especially, gets a rap where like you have to have like people think you have to have experience going Mm -hmm. in and what I try to tell like my own coaching clients and trainees like I'm not your audience coming into the room Um, I would say like 95% of the time even for myself like I mostly coach and train teachers but when I'm teaching a class that's on a schedule that is a totally, totally different crowd. And you have to teach that crowd in a different way. So to expect somebody to come from like a nine to five sitting office job and to be like Mm -hmm. expected to crush on a certain level, it's, I don't think very realistic. And then you run the risk of only inviting in a certain demographic age group fitness level. And that's fine if those are your peeps most of the time they're not your peeps like you know you're I would say like a strong intermediate to advanced is like really what you're going to get in general population and like advanced would be like that low to you know lower advanced Mm -hmm. intermediate and if it's not it doesn't like feel warm and fuzzy like coming in they're not going to come back you know like if you're trying to like retain clients like those little things are what what matters. So I'm, I'm so with you and, it, and it's nice and it's, and it's shaped like the way you've moved through even your career. So mm-hmm. kind of like fast forward a little bit. We met because you started the bar jar. So could you tell everybody kind of what the bar jar was maybe is, or what it's turned into? And we'll get to that as well. Um, but yes, if you could, Tell everybody what bar jar is and I'll kind of fill in some gaps afterwards. So I think this was about a year into going to the bar studio, like all the time. 
I was just like, oh my gosh, my life has changed because I had been on that huge hiatus of movement. And I really, after that experience, I started to doubt if there was like a place for me in movement at all. I was like, oh no, the weights are not heavy enough for me. Like (laughs) there's no room for me here, but like you always say, there's what was it? Oh yeah, there's plenty of room at the bar. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So I definitely felt that. And then I was like, I need to tell everyone about this. So community has always been really important to me. And I feel like this is like the reoccurring theme um, of like immigrating here when I was a kid. Like we didn't have family here. Like we had to find community. And a lot of the times that was like other immigrants. And like I remember the older kids of other immigrants like babysitting me so my parents could go to work. Like, you know, community has always been super important. And that's when I decided to start the bar jar that was really around featuring different people doing bar, teachers, making it friendly for beginners, and just kind of dispelling any myths that it was like exclusive and that people didn't belong. I love that. And, you know, community is, you know, as people start to hear more and more of your story, it's like that is like, I think your running theme through everything that you do. And it's, you know, your experience growing up has totally shaped where you've gone and what I love so much of how we connected is it was because you reached out for help and support and you sent a DM and I know that's so hard like when you don't know somebody or if you're new to a community and you don't know anybody it's I'm really shy that way surprise surprise but I am like reaching out to people um it does take like a pep talk for me and it's like almost like doing the like new version of like a cold call, you know, we're like cold DMing people like, hey, I really like what you're doing. Or, you know, I just started this thing and I kind of need help and I don't know where to go. I'm all about that. I was so excited. And it was like the beginning of when I started Bar Variations. And I know like I was so impressed by you and what you were putting out there. Um, so can Actually, you I remember? Yeah, it was. I had my audition to finally audition to become a teacher, which honestly, like, that was beyond my wildest dreams. I <laughs> was not a teacher person. Like, I just started moving again. And I was like, Michelle, can you please give me advice? Like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with the music. Like, what do I do? <laughs> and that, yeah, that was the first time we spoke. I just reached out being like, do you have any tips for me? I, yeah, I'm like, and if anyone's listening, like reach out, I am always answering. And I love that. I think if somebody is able to like put themselves out there, that they're also the type of person that's like going to do even greater things because you're already taking that step to put yourself out there and commit and to share and then to be willing to receive and learn and also willing to like share that with others and you know put yourself out for others and help others um so can you tell us the listeners um how putting yourself out there and making those cold connections in order to make them you know more warm contacts and develop relationships has made a difference you know in your work life and maybe even in your teaching life yeah definitely um i think it's really helped in helping other people like I know as silly as that sounds usually I'll reach out because like I have something that I potentially need help with but then it always circles back and people can come back to me and count on me and I think that's really what's the most important thing and then also in terms of like building up a community specifically with bar 
people know that I do bar so they start to reach out to me like even colleagues are like hey we have a team building activity we know that you teach bar like people people really like your classes I now teach at that gym where the scary teacher told me to pick up the weights full circle you've just (laughs) totally like wrapped it in love and you're like I will change this play (laughs) I love it and I feel like it's also just like helped me open up my mind as to what's out there and what's possible because whether we like it or not we live in bubbles like I was even thinking during the pandemic afterwards like if offices stopped existing and all of a sudden you're sitting at a desk with like a business person like I don't know a, a paramedic that's like preparing before their shift or something and then like a bus driver or something how much different would that be if we all of a sudden have these like exchange of ideas and we're not just in like our industry bubbles or anything like that? Mm. Lena, you're gonna change the world. I mean, that is such a great, like kind of way to put everything and a great way to approach work and approach community because something I know, like something everybody loves about teaching is that community and it's always hard to kind of put your finger on what exactly it it is to each person you know it's like oh I like being around people and even during like all of this like it's trying to like I've gotten like really clear with myself like well, what does that mean to me and I know something that I really thrive on is like I would never meet the people that I've met mm-hmm. if I didn't teach because I don't teach a bunch of me's I teach people from everywhere, from all different backgrounds and all different work backgrounds, like, and just opening, like being a facilitator in that is always so exciting for me to, you know, maybe share a thought, which could seem so random, that starts a conversation either before class, I've been known to be doing during, I'm okay with like minimal conversations, um, because all of a sudden, the person standing over here is like, oh, hey, you're, you're a lawyer. I need a lawyer. Oh, your husband's a dentist. Oh, I'll get his number. Oh, I need a painter for something. The exchange of like contacts even, you know, and maybe even the exchange of ideas because now they're developing relationships outside of the studio, I think is so powerful as a teacher. We're not just teaching movement, you know, it's not about the choreography. It's not about if you're on the music or if you're off the music. Sure, that's fun. Sure, does that make you a more engaging teacher? Cool, can be worked on. But it's the activist standing there holding that space like yoga. You know, that's something I, I took mm-hmm. my own yoga practice. Like, how am I trying to have these people move through space? Maybe like, be able to organize in their own mind or to connect with others or to look at things differently or themselves differently. And even somebody like you to see a potential in yourself that you thought that you would never go to a gym again. You would never, you know, that movement wasn't for you. And here you are now in front of the class holding that space and so great. So you're so smart, Lena, I love you. (laughs) you. And so you know, after bar, you have blended yoga and bar, you have created mm-hmm. events. So take us up to speed, kind of how your teaching then really infiltrated the work that you're doing now. So now I'd say that although I'm mostly working in international affairs, I'm really focused on taking my career towards the strategic design, 
design thinking, human-centered design, which depending on who you ask can be like interchangeable terms. Um, and that came from the studio actually. So when I started teaching and I did my teacher training, all of a sudden I was getting a glimpse as to what actually happens behind the scenes for the students to have that incredible experience that I did. And oh my goodness, it was so well thought out. You know, when the class ends, you have to stand exactly at this spot because if it's not this spot, then people walk by you and you're not able to make that connection. When it's stretching, you're gonna turn down the music so that people can relax a little bit. Um, just like absolutely everything was thought out. Like each exercise is four minutes because of this reason. And then diving into that idea that you're putting so much effort to like make an impact on somebody was what then made me want to be like, oh, I want to do human-centered design, which is basically taking this approach in anything. Like it could be bar, it could be business, it could be public policy. A lot of banks do it, you know, to try to make your banking experience better. And then that's really what led to my master's now. Yes, and you're going to Parsons, and I love that. So I am a, also a huge fan of art schools because the idea of going to, you know, the whole idea of everything you're looking at has been touched by an artist and circling back to like commodifying things or going corporate there's still an artist behind that design and that experience and mm -hmm. it's just something that you know I'll call them pedestrians as we used to call them at college these mere pedestrians that have no idea that this glass or this doorknob was touched by somebody that maybe has passed through a school like this or this school specifically and you know people like you are shaping and changing the world in such a positive way that really hones in on the local feeling of just the hyper local impact that really makes a global impact. You know, your the intimacy with your pen, your keyboard, you know, the way you, yeah, you organize programming for your business or your office or management team. That's, yeah, that kind of design, that thought is, that to me is like game changing. You know, everyone was like obsessed with Ikea when Ikea first came to the US. Well, because it was so strategically designed to be like simple, except if you're trying to put it together yourself. But the, the simplicity is like, it's now like you putting it into words it, it is perfectly put because I think it gives something for people to grasp onto of being able to think differently of like, how can you connect maybe your movement practice or even a hobby that you do that it doesn't have to be maybe your job job, right? It doesn't have to be pulling in the bacon, <laughs> but it can it make such an impact on maybe what you do on a larger scale with other things. Um, yeah, exactly. I, almost everything that we experience has been designed. It's been created by somebody. And there are certain things that we haven't changed for a long time and they're not working anymore. And you know, like these are bigger public policy issues but even with something like that, it's like, if you're designing something, why not do it in a way that puts people first and make sure that, makes, makes sure that they're having that impact um, and that you're having the biggest possible success and outcome for what you're trying to achieve. Ding, 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 ring all the bells. Like, <laughs> that's, <laughs> it's uh, that um, 
quote that whoever's listening quote that because we when we think about impact and I always say like I want to do the work that makes the biggest impact I don't necessarily want to be like hustling all the time teaching a thousand hours in order to you know make an impact on my wallet or make an impact to others and you know, because impact is such a big word, we think that, or a heavy word, we think that we need to be doing a thousand things or, you know, doing more or whatever, but, you know, making an impact in your community, I know a big trend now is because we're all online and we're Zooming and we're connecting with so many people across the world. Can you kind of share maybe your thoughts on impact, and community, you know, the impact in community on the global scale and the local scale. Yeah, so there's this idea called um, something that's like global. So it's like global, but local. And I really do believe that it's almost like marketing, right? It's like you you want to find your niche and like reach that those people as much as possible before you're like, oh, I'm going to sell to the entire world. And I feel like it's the exact same thing for impact as well. Because you also have to consider what's within your circle of influence. And for a lot of us, that's super different. Like my circle of influence is completely different than like Selena Gomez or something, you know, (laughs) and that's okay. But I'm still able to have an impact on the people that I interact with day to day. And a lot of the times it comes down to just listening and slowing down. And I find that that's something that we're not very good at. And I admit that's like a skill that I've been working on more and more. Because a lot of the times we assume that we know what people need and we assume that we're able to help just by seeing someone or seeing the surface level situation. But when you really listen, when you ask the right questions, when you stop making things about you and you make it about the other person or your clients or whatever it is, then you're going to get somewhere like really what I like to call juicy of what actually needs to happen and the change that needs to happen. Mm. Everyone take a pause, listen to that. I get questions all the time. How do I get clients? How do I get more clients? How do I get more followers? How do I do? And it starts with reaching out to the person that you feel connected with in an honest, genuine way, the way we connected. Mm -hmm. Hey, I need help. I'm looking for this. It takes time to listen. It takes time to build. And, you know, there's like a quote, like, uh, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. You know, so the whole notion of going viral or like all of a sudden your class has like a crazy wait list. Like who is that actually serving? Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't, the, like if it, you it, can't it, talk to somebody that took that class and have them be like, I feel like that really touched me. Like, I really feel like my life is a little bit better because I took it. Then in my personal opinion, that is just a vanity metric. It is not a measure of success. But if, if you have one person that comes to your class and they just feel like, wow, like you really listened to what I needed. Like that was exactly what I needed to just feel better than like that's absolute success in my opinion. Again, I also share the same opinion <laughs> <laughs> because we get so caught up, you know, in the social media bubble you know and the bubble doesn't have to be a bad thing and realizing who's in your real life day-to-day bubble you know who's in your quarantine who 
are the people around you that you're still able to connect with or that you connect with every day, you know, you have to go back and focus on those people, you know, who is actually showing up and are you showing up for them? Or are you on to the next person or the next group that you want to attract? Mm -hmm. And so finding, you know, it's funny because niche used to be like the big word, like find your niche, find your niche. And now it's like, share your story. Well, that's your niche. Your story is, it's just different. You know, my opinion, different wording for selling the same thing. Um, It's not bad to be focused. Now you don't have to go out and have this crazy, like I teach bar underwater with a snorkel and a Mm -hmm. tube. Like you don't have to do that, but you have to know specifically like what are the things that are important to you you know for you the community and that local community you were holding events for your local community that reached people other places you know in your corporate office in your international affairs you're reaching the ripple effects that you have should I in my opinion go beyond what you know you don't have to know that, right, the vanity of it, of like knowing the impact that you're making. I would rather be the person that like is told when I'm like 80 years old, like have somebody come back to me 10 years from now and be like, listen, there was, you said this thing and it like changed this for me, or it like really spoke to me or it like is what I needed in that moment of my life. I don't need, you know, I don't think the, the instant gratification of being like, viral or be you know packing your class and whatever and then the next day like yeah your studio closes and then what you know are they following you know are they still with you are you you still with them so yeah I you're so smart I love it (laughs) I'm inspired I'm like yes um now grad school you're starting grad school how do you envision kind of the next phase for you in relation to bringing these ideas that you've learned in your movement practice into your design practice? So something else that I love to do is mixing things. So one of the events that I had for the bar jar was called Love Who You Bar and Know Who You Are. So I taught a bar class and then my friend Laura Debbie, who's a coach, she did sort of this values-based coaching initiative. And now that I'm in design school, I keep thinking like, okay, well, should I start a different brand for the design services that I do? Or should I like keep it the same? And then I just kind of started thinking like, oh, maybe I can just mix it together under one roof. And I know that it's kind of weird, but at the same time, I feel like to, to design something purposely, you need to be in the right and movement can really help you get there because 90% of the time you have to shut up. Like you cannot keep talking. It gives you a second to just stop talking and listen for a few minutes, which we barely ever do. Like we're always on our phone. We're always talking to people. Like it gives you a second to just pause, which is really necessary. Um, also explore in a different way than you're used to. Like a lot of design thinking is about thinking laterally, we call it. So how do you get out of the boxes that you're always thinking in? And sometimes you have to do something different. And I think that really comes from fitness. Mm-hmm. So in the future, I really want to figure out a way to combine both either through like a workshop that's 
a bar class first and sort of like design jam to work through a problem or even it's like you know I rent a big studio space and yes like during a certain I have my desk up we're offering like design services but at some point the desk clear away and people come in and actually move their body so that's my like 20 years that would be so cool vision but again I feel like so many things are unwritten and I'm excited to see what happens it is so exciting and just having those ideas float around you know who knows what will happen or who knows and I think that is uh I think a great lesson for all of us that have taken away in the last year is that anything can happen and that anything can also be a really positive thing and being open enough you know the word open-minded gets kind of thrown around and to truly to have an open mind is to kind of be still and not fill your mind with more things to really just be open to the possibility of like oh well this could be great this could, this new thing could happen, or it's not even something you thought of and allowing it to present itself and to be in a place where you can look at it in a non-judgmental way, meaning like, totally. you know, not like, oh, it's not for me or like, oh yeah, 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 I, I definitely need to do that. You know, so to, to really look at it with uh, your some clear, <laughs> clear eyes. Oh, and I just so. think that um, in design, like one of the more common questions is, how might we so you know around any sort of problem that you're facing it's always like asking yourself like how might we imagine a new way of teaching bar classes or something like that but the most important part of that for me is the might and I think that's what being at a more arts oriented school has helped me develop is this idea that there can be a ton of possibilities and you can let them all coexist and just like let them sit like it's so stressful trying to narrow down what you're going to do with your life what you're not going to do with your life decision to make is you know just let it sit and then eventually you'll be able to choose a direction or not and if it doesn't work you can go back to it and I really do think that you know letting it sit and letting the might and the maybes linger is really valuable it's very freeing I yes uh, we did not you know in dance my dance conservatory we did not learn it that way but those values were the same of the possibility Mm -hmm. you can do this or how about this when we're doing improv and we're doing composition and allowing it to exist in the same space and choosing what's right for you is really freeing but also really freeing to be okay with all of that other stuff existing there maybe someone else wants to choose it that way maybe it's like this way you know and that's when things really begin to develop and expand because we can't do it all ourselves right we know that as well and so your path is going to help someone else's path blossom on another side because they're going to look at what you did and say hey how might I add that influence into my own work and how might that uh, change things for me? Um, I think that's a super powerful statement and I, I'm going to use that down because now I'm like, Ooh, you put the words onto it and you know, that's, I'm excited for you to go to an art school, having experienced it myself. It's uh, you know, I know the classes I took outside of, my dance classes were super impactful for me and made me look at things completely different and the best ways. And 
something really funky about it. And then you're just like, yes, everyone needs to go to art school because it's just, it's, it's very yeah. freeing. It's very freeing and it's open. Like becoming a new person. It's like, honestly, I did not sign up for this. I did not <laughs> sign up to become a new person. I thought I was just going <laughs> to step in and learn this like one, two, three, four, five process. And it's been completely different. Like I've only been in one semester so far and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it is mind blowing when you have just that yeah that I, I can only describe it as freedom and challenge of what who you think you are what you think you're doing how you think and, the world is too yeah how you think the world like and then being like that's infused in my own trainings and someone's like can I do this I'm like sure why not you know and being able to ask people those questions and it's not so like oh do whatever you want yeah, you know what, do whatever you want. I don't care. But like, also, can you answer that? Why not? Can you answer that? Well, why, if you did it this way, how would that affect this? And where could you go from here? So you just keep presenting yourself these like problem solving questions. And then you step back and you're like, wow, look at what I just made or look at what I just did and or what I created by just challenging myself and asking and really like being open to possibility and creativity and it's even though I teach a formula as well my training you know you've been there I want to see every training is different because of who shows up I want to mm -hmm. be taught something selfishly as well <laughs> like I want to see I don't know have all the answers I can give you you know, some tools and tricks and resources and things to pull upon. But it's the people walking in that room that really make what I'm doing really rich and exciting. And, you know, I've been seen on camera to like start dancing around. I'm like, yeah, it's like, oh, we did it. You know, <laughs> Lena's seen me and run that, around the room. Like she's also, yeah. I, we didn't bring this up, but she also has um, helped with like events that I've done before. And it's what it's about. And I, if, if anyone can go through, you know, some kind of, you know, I know yoga is really open like this open with like workshops and self-discovery and, you know, taking your yoga practice into what you're doing into your world and blending that together. I think if we can look at bar that way and movement in general, that way of like how it can open your mind to, these amazing questions um, and evolving ideas which I feel like you've really been able to lead in terms of bar you know I feel like even when we started talking about this a few years ago the industry was so much more closed off than it is now and then you now all of a sudden like people like you especially are like leading the way to be like that idea doesn't have to stay that way like you know this is the new iteration of it like yes that's great and we're also going to do this yes yeah, so that's the improv the yes and and, mm -hmm. and exactly and, yeah. <laughs> I love it Lena so you've much been, you've been to it you know yeah <laughs> everyone should take an improv class especially dance improv <laughs> class if you want to get real weird go for that <laughs> um but to wrap up um I always do my last two segments the hurt at the bar and the what's in your bar so we'll start with something that you know maybe we've even talked about today something you've heard at the bar in around the studio at the bar uh, that you know to be true or a myth that you also either want to squash? <laughs> so my hurt at the bar um, comes from my training as well. And I think it's around 
when you're doing a lot of things at once, you're not actually focusing on anything and you're taking stuff away. And that was something that was really pushed in our training. I know that, for example, the daily method will focus on, hey, if you're doing arm work, you're probably only doing arm work. And that's okay because you're focusing on engaging like every muscle in your arms. And if all of a sudden you're adding like a leg and a kick and a jump and a twist, it's really difficult to do. And there's totally the time and place for that. Like it's really fun to play around with and challenge yourself with things like that. But that idea of intentional focus and not wanting to do it all is something that I'm still working on. And I really took away from the bar. Yeah. And that goes to like simplicity is actually the most creative you can be right? It starts, mm-hmm. like, there's a reason ballet classes are the same, same, and you get so much beauty out of that. It's a, re- you know, some things work, and, like, you can really dive deep, so you don't have to, yeah, have all the bells and whistles, and focus, and craft it. That's the craft. That's where, like, the real artistry, and even teaching comes in, mm-hmm. and you teach that same plie for 10,000 years. Exactly. <laughs> Being, not 10,000, where I think what at about like a couple hundred years, but yes, (laughs) working on a thousand. All right. For the last one, the what's in your bar, this one I love because it's expanded into snack bar, coffee bar, tea bar, whatever bar that you have going on in your life. What's in your bar? Uh, Definitely tea. Um, For our work Christmas party, they actually sent this calming tea to everyone which I think (laughs) is in response to the state of the world again kind of going back to like rituals and getting diving deep into something I found that I really enjoy just making myself a cup of tea before bed and usually it'll be chamomile or lavender some sort of calming tea like that Mm, ritual I am a tea person because we all need it we I love that's great that your work was like and everyone needs some calming tea (laughs) Like, happy holidays. Take this calming tea and don't come back until you finish it. (laughs) Just drink all of the tea, please. Please. Um, Well, I could talk for hours with you, Lena, and thank you so much. Can you let everybody know how to find and follow you so they can be on this journey with you? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Michelle. So you can find me on Instagram at Lena. I'm also pretty active on LinkedIn as well. If you want to find me, my name is... Lena Alvarez, and I'm really happy to explore design and design thinking and how you can level up creating impactful experiences for your clients anytime. So please do reach out to talk about that. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you'd like to write into this podcast, send an email to info at barvariations.com. You can follow us all over social media at Bar Variations, and you can also visit the website at www.barvariations.com, where you can find show notes, archived episodes, and more. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.